How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength, till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favour on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Tom. Good morning, everyone. It's a joy to be with you and truly a joy to have an opportunity to, sir, to speak about one of my favorite passages as we will be doing uh, through the summer season. Uh, it's very hard to say what is your favorite passage because I think if you've been journeying in the Christian life a while and if you've sort of been wrestling with the Bible at different times, all kinds of things you know, have, their, have their place in your, in your journey and in your life. Whether this is my favorite one, I don't know. But it's one to which I do keep coming back. And uh, during my sabbatical uh, this time last year, uh, I came back to it again. And um, it meant a, a great deal to me at that time. So, just a, a few sort of background things, first of all, to get it sort of placed in your mind. Um, I should have asked Tom to read the, uh, the musical instructions at the top um, as... Uh, that's always a good place to start, but uh, sorry for my neglect there, Tom. Um, for the director of music, according to Gitte, I have no idea what that means, of the sons of Korah, a psalm. Uh, the book of Psalms, as we often say, was ancient Israel's hymn book. And uh, in many ways, it's very like a hymn book, in that it's uh, a gathering together of songs, by all kinds of different authors, all kinds of different writers, um, different kinds of music go with it, uh, different periods in Israel's history, just like one of our modern hymn books. So it's quite similar in that way. And uh, the psalms, the songs in there, are grouped together in, in different ways according to um, how they were used. Uh, the sons of Korah were the family that David appointed to look after this process and to sort of produce the, the music for uh, the, the, the meeting tent, which was 
the, the place of worship in David's time, and then subsequently the sons of Korah looked after the, the, the worship in the, in the temple that followed. And this psalm is one that comes out of that little family, out of that group, um, and comes from the early period of uh, the kings of Israel. Maybe as early as the time of David, maybe rather later. Um, so it just gives you an idea of how it worked there. Um, that there was a, a leader of worship, there was a Josh Baines of that day who uh, ran, the, uh, ran the musical life of the temple and who assembled the songs and assembled the hymns. There's a, a group of psalms a bit later on uh, which are usually called the Songs of Ascent. And what they have in common is that they are all songs that were, were sung uh, on feast days when the people made their way up the hill and into the city of Jerusalem and into the, into the temple for the, for, the, for the feast, whatever it was. Um, this is not one of those. Uh, this is one of a group of psalms which usually are known as the Songs of Zion because they have this in common, that they are all about a longing to go to Zion, a longing to, to get up and go and journey and be in Zion. And for those of you who'd like some other ones to explore, the other Zion songs are Psalms 46, 48, 76, this one, 87, and 122. Psalm 122 has these words in it, which are very similar to uh, the words that we've read here. Psalm 122 has these words. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of God. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. And I, I love that, that sentence there. There's a great sense of, we're here. We've done it. We've completed our journey. We've come up the hill. And we are here within your gates, O Jerusalem. There's a wonderful sort of confidence and assurance of being you know, right there on the, on the threshold, um, ready to enter into worship and to, and into the life of the temple. We are here. We have arrived. And these psalms tend to have these three parts, and that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. Uh, they talk about the longing to go to Jerusalem, the longing to go to Zion. They talk about the journeying to get there, and they talk about the process of arriving. And I'm going to talk about that this morning. I think that's a very valuable uh, sort of pattern, very worthwhile keeping in, in mind. Longing, journeying, arriving, because I think they really are the pattern of the spiritual life. They really are the pattern of Christian discipleship and Christian life. And I think they can become a helpful uh, mirror, a helpful template, if you like, for understanding uh, our own journey as Christians. Let's pray together before we get into the text. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these wonderful songs of praise and journey and longing, the Psalms. Uh, we thank you that they are mirrors for our own life and journey today. And we pray now that by your spirit, you will open up the text of this Psalm for us, that we may really uh, gain from it and learn to journey towards you with more intent. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. Um, 
we got just some pictures to guide us. There's our subject for today, hearts set on pilgrimage. Just look at Psalm 84, and perhaps we could just move on to the, the first picture thereafter about longing. All these psalms, these songs of Zion that I've referred to, have this characteristic, uh, that at their heart is a deep longing for the presence of God. A deep longing to be in the house of God, a deep longing to be with God. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. You might really find it helpful to have your Bible open, because I'm going to work through this uh, verse by verse, and it will really be helpful if you journey with me on that. Verse 1, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. The English translations have, have always used that word there, lovely, or, or something like it. Actually, more accurately, it's beloved. How beloved is your dwelling place, O God Almighty, O Lord Almighty. How I love it. How I long to be there. That's the desire of my heart. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. My soul, my heart, my flesh. In Jewish thinking, the heart is not so much the place of feeling as it is for us as the place of thinking. So what's being said here is my soul, my, my, my inner self, my, my, the part of me that desires and, and has purpose, my inner self, my mind, my very body, the very flesh of my body, longs, cries out, yearns, faints, cries out for God. Let's just, let's just hear that for a moment. This, this is an extraordinarily powerful verse of desire and longing. It could hardly be expressed with more intensity, could it? My soul, my heart, my, my very flesh is aching, is yearning for the presence of God. It's the language of, of love, isn't it? It's, it's the language of that deep intensity of love where your, your very body, your very flesh is aching for the one you love. I, I appeal to you, my brothers and sisters, let's take this to heart and let's be open to God's Spirit in such a way that we can begin to be in that place. This kind of desire for God to be in his presence is the emotional powerhouse of the spiritual life. The living God is who we are made for. It's what Eden, the story of the Garden of Eden is all about, the walking with God in the garden, the, the human beings who are made for the, to be companions of God, to walk with him. The Bible ends with those passages about the New Jerusalem and the significance of the New Jerusalem coming down to earth is that God will be with his people and at the end, all the longings 
of our spiritual life and existence will be answered. The name of Jesus as Emmanuel is as God with us. I think this is the, the core emotion. This is the core uh, energy of the spiritual life, of the Christian life. The distinctive emotional drive at the heart of being a Christian is longing for God and for his presence. Longing more than satisfaction, I would say. Longing more than satisfaction. Longing is the path by which God does satisfy and renew us. And this longing is almost identical with the longing of love. Maybe it is identical with the longing of love. And all the other loves of life either reflect this longing of our hearts or they are a distraction from it. The loves of our lives, the loves for those we love, our wives, our lovers, our friends, those loves are a reflection of the deepest longing and love that a human being is made for. Or in other cases, they are a distraction. The love of money, the love of position, the pride of life, or the lust and longing of our eyes are distractions from real love. We are made, brothers and sisters, to be in love with God and longing for his presence. There's another, these themes come up in Psalms over and over again. Psalm 27, which is another of these songs of Zion. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. I urge you to recognize, I urge you to identify, I urge you to put your finger on the deep longing at the core of your life and to see that that is a longing for the beauty, the reality, the presence of the living God because that's what you were made for. And I urge you to find time in your life to, to be in that place where you can be present to him and where that longing to know him and that longing to be in his presence can have space to flourish. One of the early church fathers spoke of it in this way. He said, the way that God rewards our longing is to give us even greater longing. I, I, I resonate with that. I go down many byways in my Christian life. I go through many distractions. I get into many empty places. 
but I do know the truth of that statement that when we long for God, when we seek to be in his presence and before him, the strange reward is to long, him, long for him even more. There's a wonderful poem by George Herbert called The Call, which has these two lines in it, which for a long time I didn't understand. He speaks about there being such a way as gives us breath, such a feast as men's in length. And I think what he's saying in those two lines is this, that the Christian life is like a race or like a long walk, but whereas in a race or a long walk, the longer you go on, the more tired you get, the more breathless you get. He says in this kind of race, the longer it goes on, the stronger you get and the more breath you have. And such a feast as men's in length, I believe, means this, that whereas normally if we go to a, a wedding feast or a great banquet, after a while we begin to feel satisfied, full, and we don't really want to see any more food, thank you. This kind of feast is the other way around, that the longer it goes on, the hungrier we get, the more food there is, and there is the more to enjoy. That is God's banquet, where the more we are the more we enjoy it, the more we long for it, the more there is to enter in. St. Augustine said, the one to whom we come, the one for whom we long, we come not by traveling, but by loving. Seek his face, long for his presence, yearn to be with him, and give the seeking space and time. Persevere. And the patience and the waiting and the pain of it are those of the lover. Verse 3 and 4 take us into another, just a delightful place. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. A place near your altar. And the longing of the writer here to be in the temple, to be in God's presence, uh, he pictures this characteristic sight. Uh, and you can still see it. The swallows still swoop across the temple mount in Jerusalem. You can still see it. But to his mind goes the fact that you can see there the sparrows and the swallows. In the greatest simplicity, they don't even know what they're doing. They build their homes right there in the temple. And they are at home in the temple, and they raise their, their young there. And the, psalm, the writer of the psalm thinks, wouldn't it be glorious to be just that? Wouldn't it be glorious just to have the simplicity of birds who make their home in the home of God? Uh, it's, a, it's a delightful image. Uh, but what I think what it's capturing here is the simplicity of the spiritual life. It's about longing. It's about the deepest longing of our lives for what is really real, the, the, the relationship we're truly made for. But there's also something gloriously simple about it. It has the simplicity of swallows building their nests in the eaves of a house and making it their home. Longing in this psalm flows into journeying. When that kind of longing takes deep root in our lives, it creates restlessness and it creates a desire to journey, a desire to, to go, to be in the place of God's presence, to be in God's home, as it were. And so our second, the second part of this psalm is about journeying. Uh, 
Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. They pass through the valley of Baca, and so on. Literally, that, that uh, phrase there is, blessed are those who know the highways to Zion. And that doesn't uh, so much mean that they've got some kind of inner GPS that will take them uh, reliably to Zion. It means that they've done it before. It's their habit. They know the way. They won't get lost. They are habitually on the road to Zion. And that's why I think the NIV translation there is, is particularly lovely. I, I, I love this, uh, this phrase here. Uh, verse uh, 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. Who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. This is the second core characteristic of the spiritual life and of the Christian journey has its origins in our longing for the presence of God and it results in a willingness to be on the journey. It results in a willingness to get on the journey, to seek God and to seek his presence, to have your heart set on pilgrimage. As I've said, there are lots of things wrong in my life and lots of things wrong in my Christian journeying, but I do know this, my heart is set on pilgrimage. It really is. There is nothing else I want out of my life ultimately than to be set on pilgrimage, to be on this journey of seeking the presence, the face, the place of, of God. And as we see here, the, the life of pilgrimage has many different aspects to it and many, many difficulties and many blind alleys and failures and so on. The key thing is not whether you go down blind alleys. The key thing is, is your heart set on it? Is your heart set on pilgrimage? Blessed are those whose strength is in you who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs, the autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Uh, do you see how that last phrase picks up uh, that poem of George Herbert about the journey in which you get stronger as you go and the feast in which you get hungrier as you go? As these pilgrims go on their way, they don't reach exhaustion and burnout. They go from strength to strength. On the way, they pass through the valley of Baca. Nobody knows where this valley is. I've wondered myself whether it's the Baca Valley in Lebanon, but no one else agrees with me, so I assume that's fanciful. Um, it means, literally, the valley of weeping. So blessed are those who are on the, on the way to Zion. They are on their pilgrimage, and they go through the valley of weeping. It has its parallels, doesn't it, with Psalm 23 and uh, going through the valley of the shadow of death. But the, the life of pilgrimage is one that goes through these dark places, through these places of, of real challenge. There's some lovely assurance here. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. They dig in the desert and find water. As they go, they don't die of thirst on their way in the desert, they dig and they find springs. There is 
a translation of, of this passage here, which is not favoured mostly by English translations, but, but I'm, I'm told it's, it's a possible translation. And it is, as they go through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping, they water the ground with their tears. They water the ground with their tears. And so the desert place becomes fertile, becomes a place of, of growth through the sorrow and through the suffering of the, of the pilgrim. Whatever, we can pull it all to get together here, uh, that the life of pilgrimage, which we are called into because God has placed in our hearts a longing for him and a longing for his presence, will have its valleys, the valley of the shadow of death, it will have the valley of weeping, but that in those places there will be the refreshment, there will be the, the springs. And God will provide the seasonal rain. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. So the Christian pilgrimage is a pilgrimage of hardship. It's a pilgrimage sometimes of weeping. It's sometimes a pilgrimage through desert places. But it is a place where God supplies the water that is needed through the digging of wells and through the seasonal rain. And the pilgrims who go this way, they go from strength to strength until each appears in Zion. It's the equivalent in this psalm of what I read from Psalm 122, where it says, and now we stand within your gates, O Jerusalem. We've arrived. We're here. Here, the pilgrimage continues until each appears in Zion. Those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage will grow in strength until they reach their longed-for destination, until they reach Zion, the home of God, the place of his presence, the place that they have been longing for. To sum it up, to pull it all together, the longing of our hearts results in a life of pilgrimage until we reach our true destination and we appear before God. And so the close of this psalm is about arriving. This is where it becomes a bit more elusive for us, I think, because there's a sense in which we haven't arrived. The Jerusalem pilgrim did arrive. His longing to be in Jerusalem led him on pilgrimage, and eventually he appeared in Zion. He appears before God, and he takes part in the worship of the temple. There is a destination. There is an arrival. We will come to the presence of God for which our hearts long. We will make our home there as the sparrow and swallow build their homes near the altar. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I'd rather be a member of the welcome team than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Whilst the Old Testament pilgrim could hope to duly arrive in Zion, and these Psalms tell us of how they did, for us we are still journeying, still making our way through the valley of Baca, the valley of weeping, and we are still drawn by the longing. The assurance of the whole of Scripture and the assurance of this Psalm is that we will arrive that the life of longing and the life of pilgrimage 
will also be fulfilled in the life of arriving when we come to the presence for which we long when we stand within the gates of Zion when we appear in Zion and appear before the one for whom our heart longs <laughs>